eat Sylvester Stallone up because yeah. he was just a young cutie. Welcome back. Reel it in. Episode five. We are we are down a man today, unfortunately. Uh, so when I look to my left, it's just an empty space. But that's okay because I, I'm joined by two great friends of mine across from me. Ben. And then the other man across Will from me. Smith, who, Will Smith. When I look at that space, I also see the same empty space in my heart without <laughs> Andrew Cooper here. Yeah. So I we are. I don't think we can hold it. Yeah. Without right. him, yeah, we're, without we're him. lost cause. So that has been episode Podcast five over. of Reel It In. Thanks, <laughs> <See you> guys. <laughs> we'll see you guys later. So we will do our best to fill that Andrew hole in our listeners' hearts. So let, let's just get right into it. Ben, what have you been watching lately, buddy? <laughs> uh, I just watched a movie we'll be going over before we got here, uh, First Blood. And uh, before that, Twilight Zone, new episode. Last week, it was actually really, really good with uh, Chris O'Dowd from the IT crowd. Uh, it involved a gun and a bullet with his name on it. And that's did it have it. Did it have Nonpoint in there? A Nonpoint? Nonpoint's a band who did a song called Bullet with a name on it. That's uh, I don't know. I have no idea what that you're talking no, about. That's it. So it is, is it pretty good? Yeah. It was is really, it really up good. there with the 30,000 30, feet, feet yeah, or and, the space uh, and Twilight the, episode? The... The camera, time travel one, and the um, the space one, point of origin, I think it was called, mm-hmm. or something like that. But yeah, but it was they, pretty good. They they've been there's been some downer ones, but uh, rewatching them or listening to a podcast discussing it, they've shed a light on what makes it different than the old Twilight Zone, and it's. It's interesting. Just like a different feel. Yeah. It's it's definitely, it's not the old Twilight Zone. It's a new Twilight Zone in a era that doesn't have sensors. Like they can give their points without uh, offending the advertisers and stuff like that. And they're going to release a, a black and white version of every single one of them that would be really cool i'm gonna rewatch them all when they do that that would be that would be like a second look because it's funny how much just black and white changes things because my favorite movie of all time mad max fury road like they uh he specifically released a shiny and chrome edition which was Mm -hmm. black and white and with just subtitles and it's it's a different experience, and it's still really, really well done. So I'm, mm. I'm excited to see the black and white version. I remember an episode of Black Mirror that they released, and it was black and white, and I, th- I thought it was one of my favorite ones where uh, little robot dogs, like the, the is the Art Institute that makes those robotic dogs in yes. real life? Boston, up in yeah, Boston, Boston. Boston. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the dogs were kind of based off of those, and it was fun. That's awesome. But disturbing all Black Mirror episodes are a little bit disturbing yes uh, totally scary look at technology and then uh, you brought up a really good point because originally the twilight zone is that he had to convey political and um political opinions or just speaking on culture as a whole Mm. it masked within the episode as opposed to the i've seen about four or five of the new season episodes it's pretty very blatant yeah they're pretty blatant with what it's about yeah that Somebody asked, like, if he had, if he had his way back, then would the Twilight Zone be as relevant? I don't know. 
because he was still a masterful storyteller, even if he had to dumb down his stories for the masses. I think it would just be a different feel. Like we would yeah. talk about it in a different light than we talk about Twilight Zone now. It was still like the best uh, production. Like the film still looks good, even watching today, except for the ones recorded on video. What about you, Will? What have you been watching, buddy? I've been watching a couple shows, uh, both home runs, in my opinion. Um, Now that Game of Thrones is over, there is a reason to keep your HBO account, and uh, that is Barry. It's a show with uh, Bill Hader. Oh, Barry. Yeah, yeah. yeah, So he, it's a dark comedy, and Bill Hader plays a hitman who's, like, depressed and kind of trying to find meaning in his life. And uh, the first episode basically has him following his his mark, his hit, uh, into like an acting class. And he ends up like getting mistaken for a student and doing a scene with him. And then like he's like, oh, man, you are so generous with your lines, you know, and he's a terrible actor. He's awful. But he ends up, you know, thinking, oh, is this my purpose? Is this where I find meaning? And so he's got this kind of dichotomy struggle of trying to, like, get out of, like, the hit business while pursuing this acting career that it, where he's, he's just awful at it. But he's actually not that funny in it. Everybody else is. Like, Henry Winkler is his acting coach who's just, you know, a perfect to be that just like Jewish, uh, you know, director that's just like overly flamboyant and got all these big ideas, but really, yeah. Yeah, I've heard nothing but really good things about Barry. The other one on HBO, so again, not to quit HBO too quickly, is, and it's not all the way finished, is Chernobyl. That's, I've been told that, yeah. Yeah, I'm waiting for that to finish so I can watch it as a whole. It is a a little mini series, obviously, following the events of Chernobyl. And I'm super excited to see it. And people have said nothing but incredible things about it. Yeah. One of the, uh, so w- with Barry, the, uh, my favorite character on the show, his name is Hank and he is like second up in the Chechnyan mafia. And he's got like this accent and he's like slightly effeminate and always does something you don't expect. Uh, but he has such moments of like super seriousness uh, that you believe, but he's, you know, one of like an example is where he's like meeting with one of the rival cartels that they're like trying to kill. And he's like, oh, so I met with the Bolivians and they are like super nice guys. They are like off the charts nice. <laughs> and he's just like that through the whole movie. And he's got, or through the TV yeah, show, TV and he's show. got alopecia as well. So he's got no hair on his head and no eyebrows and hmm. kind of just this very ironic appearance. And there's like one one scene, probably my favorite in the entire series, where Barry's got a gun pointed at him and and he's like, Barry, it's it's come to this. You gotta do what you gotta do, you know. If if you kill me, that's that's it, and you know, I deserve this. This is what has to be done. And Barry is struggling with the idea of trying to kill him, so he he puts his gun down and then Hank is just like, Oh my god, that was so scary. Yeah. <laughs> he just he starts vomiting because <laughs> he's just so like terrified. And yeah, so Hank is definitely absolutely like you have to see this character. He's, yeah, I, he's so good. That's funny you bring it up because on Twitter one of the people I follow um mentioned that he's now that Game of Thrones is over, he started watching Barry and he he said the same thing. Hank is his favorite. And he showed up there was a little Hank gif 
And it's so funny from the GIF at first, I was like, that's kind of weird, but how you describe the character, it now fits it perfectly. Kind of that flamboyant, yeah. again, he, with alopecia, bald, without it. Like, it's, I'm super interested in, he, that, he's, in that TV he's show. He's so great. I've never seen a character like him before. What was the second show you said you mentioned? Uh, yeah, so the second one is a Netflix original called Atypical. And it's kind of, uh, is that the, the one with the kid who has... Uh, yeah, he's uh, highly functional That's it, autistic yeah, autism, and um, he's obsessed with Antarctica and penguins, um, but he's really smart, loves biology, and it's just kind of about him and his family kind of trying to exist with his problems. And, and if you kind of know anything about a family with a special needs child, a lot of times the attention kind of goes towards meeting that kid's needs and other people get... Um, either, you know, like the mom's kind of absorbed in that role of being his everything where everybody else kind of gets pushed to the side. And he's got a sister who's really good at running track, but she's also takes a lot of responsibility for him. And, and there's kind of, uh, just a lot of dissension in the family. And so it's kind of like this learning to grow and, and, uh, kind of cope with the damage and fix whatever can be, but also about, the successes of their son and how he's able to accomplish things that they never thought he would. And it's, it's really touching is really funny because, you know, with, with autism, everything's like literal and they, he, he just says everything honestly because of the truth. So why wouldn't you, you know, and he, he's meeting with his counselor and trying to apply for a college and he's writing an essay for that. And and he, he's trying to write about the, the topic of what is your greatest accomplishment? And he writes about the time that he saw boobs was his greatest accomplishment. And she's like, you, you cannot write about this. This is not appropriate. And he's like, why? This was my greatest accomplishment. And uh, Yeah, that, that disconnection in between. Yeah. Like he's just being completely honest and he doesn't have that filter. Um, yeah, yeah. That you, that you get with a lot of people, which is refreshing. Which yeah, it's why the Big Bang Theory is so popular because of Sheldon. <laughs> well, you know what's funny is my uh, Melissa used to watch a show. Man, I'm forgetting the name of the show off the the top of my head, but it had Dax Shepard and it followed a family. Yeah, Parenthood. Yeah, Parenthood. Um, and one of the kids in it had autism. Okay. Um, and he was a super interesting character because of how he responded to the different people but then also how he at times was a comedic relief just because with how blatant yeah. he was and that he and sometimes he wasn't able to make certain connections that other people kind of reading that subtext or not understanding like unless someone just blatantly says something to you him not getting it so like there was an episode where he wanted to go to the zoo and his parents said no we can't go to the zoo and I, I forget the reason why and he said screw that and he just left the house and he went to the zoo by himself and they freaked out because they thought he was lost and they didn't know what was going on but then when they found him there's like oh my god i can't believe it you're safe we're so happy and he's like well what's wrong i was just at the zoo you know what i'm saying <laughs> yeah and like at times where you can see um Parenthood did a good job of it. It sounds like this show is doing a good job of it as looking as this at this um, not as a disability, just as a just something that someone deals with and they deal with it with it in a different way than necessarily we would be able to deal with it. Yeah, I think it does a lot of justice in just kind of even educating people on understanding the mindset and the things they deal with and just like why they're different and and the, <laughs> the thing that's funny to me is like this kid's really likable 
And there's other people that do not have autism that are not likable, but still uh, greatly challenged in like their social cues and everything. And so it's kind of like, you know, sometimes I like look at myself and I'm like, you know, I, I don't think I have these problems, but I relate a lot to people with autism and like over sensory stimulus kind of thing. Um, but yeah, with uh, parenthood, they it's it's pretty dramatic like parenthood yes. i think they do a good job with the comedy parenthood was a little much for me to take because i feel like it's just bad things happening all the time to like pretty decent people you know and it's like it's kind of hard to watch for me but this one really has the movie <laughs> steve, steve martin. martin and <laughs> keanu reeves oh i don't remember keanu reeves he was the boyfriend the, the daughter was dating nice that's pretty, but pretty yeah, good. atypical. Uh, two seasons of it, it's really good. I feel like every it's really well cast. Michael Rappaport is the dad, Ooh, and I nice. really like him. I enjoy him, yeah, yeah. He does a great job as the dad. Um, and the uh, the daughter's boyfriend, I really like. He made a brief appearance in Silicon Valley and has been good in the two things that I've seen him in. So, highly yeah. recommend. I like Michael Rappaport as an actor, not so much as a person. Because he can be a little brash. Are we talking about the same yeah. guy, red hair yeah. Yeah, yeah, from yeah. Boston? So he's been on a lot of. I I see a lot of him now on sports shows, and he rubs people kind of the wrong way mm-hmm. sometimes. But is, I like I his, like him as uh, in an in an actor role. What is it? Where's Where's he from? It's he, It's definitely that. He's from like, Boston. Yeah, it's a Boston. Yeah. He's, like, he's a very East Coast dude. Yeah. Yes, and I've never been there, but from what I understand, he's kind of fits it. Yeah, Perfectly. yeah, totally. And he does a lot of like comedic little videos. Like there was one where he's he a was, very funny man. He, he was uh, there was this cat with this ugly face, and he's just yelling at his mom, "Look at this cat! Oh man, look at its effed up face! Hey mom!" Oh, yeah. that was him. Yeah. Okay, I've yeah. seen that video before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he is a really funny guy. He just can sometimes rub people the wrong yeah. way with his opinions. His which best best really role did. was Deep Blue Sea. I love where him I in Deep Blue Sea. He's so good in Deep Blue Sea. And then he was in a tv show yeah television show where, where he's he the was father the dad. yes and the 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 best friend of the kid who was very gay was uh rami rami malik that was the first time i saw him in something it was yeah. hilarious yeah that was actually a really good tv show i forget the name of it off the top of my head but it was it was really well done so, what have you been watching man so for me we are 10 episodes away from finishing gravity falls which is unfortunate nice. because it's so good yeah, it just keeps getting better and, and it better gets and crazier better. and crazier. With the, have you gotten to the triangle? Oh, are you talking about the the cult of the No yeah. Seeing Eye? Yeah. Yes, I just watched that up. Ep- it, it was two episodes ago. Okay, didn't want to say anything too much. Yeah, and it introduced some backstories for certain characters that was very interesting. If you have not seen Gravity Falls, it's totally worth it. First off, it's only two seasons. And it ends, and the yeah. creator, Alex Hirsch, came out and said it was always planned to only be two seasons. And there's mm-hmm. something special about shows. It was very uh, wrapped up, like, from the beginning. They had the end point. Like, there's little nods and little Easter eggs you can find going back to the beginning. And even after the credits, it gives you, like, a blink of something, and it's, like, hidden details. Yeah, and you can tell the show was created with the entire plan in mind. As opposed to with other TV shows, they kind of have like 
the premise of the show starting off. And then from season to season, there'll be new episodes and new ideas. And then they try to make callbacks as opposed to this show does feel like he knew exactly what he was going to do from beginning to end. It was just a matter of putting pen to paper and getting people to come out and voice actor for it. And obviously he knows a lot of people because one of the reoccurring characters is a, is a flamboyant biker character that's voiced by, um, not Will Arnett, uh, the guy last man on earth. You guys know who I'm talking about? From yeah. Oh, uh, Will Forte. Will Forte, who's voiced by Will Forte. And it's a very minor part where literally all the character says is, get him. And that's it. But Will Forte comes back. <laughs> and there's about that guy. Like yeah. every episode, there seems to be a pretty famous character that comes on or famous vo- either voice actor or actor that does a voice of a character. But they are they become reoccurring characters. So the show is you know, 48 episodes, but the characters come back for like six or seven episodes. And that's the thing that this show does really well. It makes you care about not only the main characters, but also the villains, like because every (laughs) villain has its own arc and it makes you care about how that villain interacts. And then it it has a really cool, it's like a multi-layered cake where you can watch each episode in itself and enjoy it. But then on top of that, you can like the episodes have arcs to them. Like every couple of episodes, there's an arc and then the season has an arc and then the show has an arc. So it just keeps having this like multi-layered dimension to it. That makes the it's show a good, a very, good, very special. A perfect blend of monster of the week with a overall story. Totally. Absolutely. And then also contained with that, it is a summer vacation for these kids. Mm-hmm. And, and he was, and he talked about that. Alex Hirsch was, he's like, the intention was this was only supposed to be a one summer He's like, and it starts and it ends, and everyone remembers great summers when they're a kid, and all of a sudden they're over, and you start school over again, and things just reset, and that was kind of what he was trying to capture with the show, and you definitely get that feeling. Hmm. Um, it's very, very well put together. I'm sad to almost be done with it, but I'm excited to watch it again. This is mm-hmm. a show I will watch multiple times. I can tell easily right now. I'll see this many, many times in the future. Um, the other one I started is called uh, Dororo which uh, we kind of talked about last week, not on episodes, just us person to person, where if you like Sekiro, the video game, you need to watch this TV show. You should watch it, absolutely. So the premise is pretty simple, is that a a shogun, um, a leader of a town, basically uh, promises demons. He he, um, denounces Buddha, and says, I now worship the demons, and if you can bring me power to be able to give back to the people of the town. So even where he's, even though he's betraying his god for a demonic power, he's doing it kind of for a good reason, is that he wants to be the best leader that he can possibly be. He wants, to, the town has been through famines, it's been through war, it's been through all these trials and tribulations, and this man is willing to give up anything to be able to bring back the town to prosperity. And it turns out that demons, what they do is they basically take his first, his newborn and break down the newborn boy by body parts. And each demon gets a body part. So this boy is born a husk. It is just barely breathing. It doesn't have skin, no eyeballs, no nothing. So the Shogun orders for the baby to be killed, but the handmaid refuses to kill it and sends it on its way, kind of like Moses style in the Bible. And then... Or a Kung... Kung Pao. Yeah, Kung Pao. Yeah, which, uh, yeah, obviously another classic. Oh, so cute. But then he is found, but he's then found by a doctor who 
served during the Great War, which is going on during the time, but his job was putting prosthetics on people. So like if a warrior lost their leg or arm, he was able to replace it. So this baby landed in the perfect place, and he basically built the kid from the ground up, like put a fake face on him, fake arms, but then he found out the kid has special abilities to see demons. So the premise of the show is that this kid, every time it kills a demon, it gains a body part back. So, but it's really cool to start off with because his arms, he can take off the top pop from his forearm down and there's swords underneath. So it's this really cool <laughs> Japanese anime where he's, the main character's name is Indoro. It's actually this little boy who kind of follows him around as kind of the comedic element, but also is the ability for the show to talk and communicate because at this point in time in the show, the main character, obviously the boy, can't see, can't hear, can't feel, can't talk. So you have this, hmm. um, repl- uh, what's the word I'm looking for, um, kind of stand-in for the main character and this little boy who's okay. a, helps, a ton of fun itself. Along. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it, it has a demon of the week to it, but also, again, an overarching story it's trying to tell. Sounds like it's the 60,000 yen man. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's really well. With how yen works, it's probably something ridiculous yeah, because like hundred thousand billion yeah, trillion. Yeah, one trillion yen because like a hundred thousand yen, it's like thirty two cents or yeah, something right. like that. But that show is really good. It's on Amazon Prime. It's twenty six episodes long, but it's new, so they're only on like episode twenty two right now. So it should be finishing up pretty soon. So hopefully by the time I catch up all the way with the show it will be over but it's not the first time this story has been told this actually is an old manga from back in the 70s 80s and then they did a tv show in 82 i want to say and then they shot a live action movie in like 93 which apparently the live action movie is really really bad yeah but there's a lot of those yeah but the premise is still the same of this boy is born as a husk Mm -hmm. and as he kills demons he gets Gets more and more body parts back to him so that show has been really really good the other thing which we won't dive too deep into this week. We'll do more of a review next week, but we'll give you just our general impressions right now is John Wick 3, where we watched that a couple of days ago, um, and it was really good. I definitely suggest it. Um, what about you? What are your non-spoiler impressions of John Wick 3, Will? Non-spoiler. Overall, pretty fantastic. I think most of it felt like a John Wick movie with the exception of... Uh, a bit of a detour but once it comes back from that i feel like you're right back into feeling like it's fully john wick which is just amazing yeah. uh yeah just non-stop action done in a way that it is has a, a realism to it in spite of its kind of unbelievability it's a very unique combination yeah it's incredible i think the movie's like two hour and 20 minutes long and i want to say an hour and 50 of it is just action like yeah. just pure yeah. action there's only small moments of downtime. Very creative, you know, just different. Uh, they make use of many different scenes and scenery to kind of play off of. The choreography is still amazing. It's incredible. Yeah. it's it, it does a really good job of making it feel like a third movie in a trilogy. Mm. Because John, what John Wick do, 2 did to John Wick 1 was take the premise and build on it and expand it and make it even more. And John Wick 3, it, it, again, does it. It builds it on even more. Because John Wick 1 is a more self-contained just about John Wick yeah. and his interaction with a singular mob. As opposed to John Wick 2, opens up to more New York as a whole and then kind of gives you a little bit of peaks behind 
um, the continental, the continental, and where that comes from. And this opens up even more. He goes to Casablanca and a couple other different places that just nice. like it just makes it expand that much more. Um, so definitely go see it next week when Andrew comes back. We'll do a little bit more spoiler I'll hopefully review seen it by then. Yeah, mm-hmm. and we'll, our, we'll we'll go deep dive. Our, the, our really really nice uh, theater shut down, and AMC is bringing it back up, but I don't know when. Yeah, I'm not mm-hmm. sure. But I am excited because with the AMC, they have the gold ticket program. I was definitely looking at that because it's like three free tickets to movies a week. Yeah, for for, for 20 bucks a month. Yeah, 20 bucks a month, mm-hmm. you get to see three movies a week. Wow. Obviously, that would be advantageous for us doing yeah. a movie podcast. But even for now, is movie pass was never set up to succeed. Watch mm-hmm. as many movies as you want for whatever, 10, 15 bucks a month. But this makes a little bit more sense. You can only use it at AMC. It is 20 bucks a month. But you get three movies a week, which it pays for itself if you see three movies in a month. Do you have so, to commit to like a yearly subscription? I'm or? not sure. I think it it's might, month it to month. Be month to month. I think month it's 20 month, bucks yeah. a month. I think it's like 19.95 a month and you get three movies a week. Yeah. So, and it pay I think it would pay for itself and with I, seeing three movies in a month. What That's, used to yeah. What, Especially at what used to be the Centopia, because those screens are amazing. Yeah, and it doesn't have any. It doesn't say you can't go see IMAX, or it says any movie, any time. It could be brand new. You get three movies a week, and it's twenty bucks a month. Mm. So I'm I'm excited. I'm happy that once that gets going, that's great. I actually have a buddy who I just told the other day. I'm like, hey, did you hear about Cinetopia? And he's like, oh, you're kidding me. He's like, I have like six tickets to go for Cinetopia <laughs> that now I can't use. Do, are oh, they going to yeah. transfer it over? They, awesome. You Good can either give it back to wherever, you, like Costco is taking the tickets back, or they'll just make them AMC tickets. That's great. And I had just used up my last Costco ticket right before this happened, so I was happy. You know, it's funny, John Wick 3... Uh, funny enough, we may have saw the last movie in Sunatopia yep. at the Van the, Mall. It was the last two. Oh, yeah. I think John Wick 3 and Detective Pikachu were the only ones playing. Yeah, absolutely. And the funny thing is, is that I used a Sunatopia pass for that movie. Nice. So I, I got it in <laughs> under the deadline without knowing because Sunatopia was like, yeah, hey, we're under construction. Quiet. Yeah, they didn't say, hey, we're closing down. Right. And then literally we saw a movie Tuesday night and Wednesday morning opened up like, oh, hey, by the way, the Sunatopias in Vancouver and Portland are closed. And you're just like, mm-hmm. oh. <laughs> great i had no awesome. idea so that wasn't really renovations and so but i'm happy to hear that it will stay a movie theater and mm-hmm. that you know i've heard really good things about amc theaters yeah. I haven't gone to too many of them but i'm excited i'm excited because really they're not going to change too much because the oh, they're getting rid of the upstairs and the the food and bar which well, i'm totally I think, okay I think with drinks they'll still have but they're getting rid of the food I'm okay yeah, with that. Because we I'm, don't we don't really go there for the food, we yeah. go for the movie. It's yeah. true. They had bad beer. <laughs> <laughs> um I had Is there such thing as bad beer? No, yeah, I'm, just, I'm joking, really. I'm joking. I had two extra things to do, uh do to say. Uh yesterday I watched um Dread. Rewatched it. Uh I hadn't I was gonna see it in four K, but I remembered when we saw it in theater I really wanted to see it in three D because of the slow mo stuff. And then I found out I have a 3D TV with 3D glasses. <laughs> and I, so I watched it that way. And uh, funny story, Will came in and he's like, huh, Ben must have a, had a rough night last night because I had these 3D glasses <laughs> that look like shades. And then he comes down and doesn't say anything, just kind of like, huh, and walks away. And then later he's like, oh, it's 3D. I thought you were just watching with like a really blurry uh, video funny. or I something. I was very confused. I thought yeah. it was like, I don't know, like a, 
a fan service film or something. Uh, and I was well, like, well, it actually is kind of a fan I, service film. Well, just... but I was like, I don't know why Ben's wearing sunglasses in the house and he's watching this blurry show. <laughs> then funny. later, that movie's really good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lena Hetty Hetty is so amazing in that. Her, As, yes, her subtleness and the way she's terrifying, but doesn't really show it like her power is unbelievable yeah. and it's it's just a a fun fun movie to watch. yeah also carl urban is dread oh, carl urban i mean and, yeah and the uh, uh the psychic junior she was pretty good too yeah the movie's really good if you've not seen dread you need to go see dread Dread's and great. then also raising kratos the documentary about the making of the new god of war movie i've heard game, nothing but great things god about movie. that documentary and it, it is pretty it's it's a deep dive and gets you to appreciate everything they went through and it's very visceral in its betrayal of what everybody went through and really sad at times been then really funny at times and amazing documentary i also watched a a documentary on the making of oh what was that night night ninja for honor i watched yes. the making of that and that one wasn't as well done and wasn't as entertaining as the Grazing Kratos. That was truly amazing. I'm glad Sony greenlit this and then released it for free on YouTube. Yeah, it's awesome. I've heard nothing. That's definitely on the top of my list to be able to see. Mm-hmm. So, question of the week time. Yeah. All right, this I, this one's actually near and dear to my heart. I'm excited to hear what you guys have to say. And we'll we'll surprise Andrew with it next week as well. So he'll get two questions of the week next week. A double, oh, joy. A double decker. So my question of the week to you guys is very simple. What is your favorite childhood uh, cartoon show. Cartoon show? Yes, favorite favorite childhood cartoon show. DuckTales. DuckTales. Yeah. Oh, wow. I learned That's so a great much answer. about DuckTales. Like, I learned about Shakespeare, you know, William Drakespeare and Mac- McQuack, Macbeth. I, I learned a lot about just different uh, things that, you know, I had no idea when I watched them, but then later on I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, you know, connect the dots kind of thing. That's such a great show. So many adventures and just, you know, going after treasure and different artifacts and all that. Yeah, DuckTales was really great. Whenever I think of, I always, for some odd reason, I put them together as DuckTales and Tailspin. Yeah. Which Tailspin is, again, was another really, really great show growing up. They made a video game that was kind of like it, uh, Crimson Skies. The storyline was very much uh, Tailspin. What about you, Ben? What was your favorite childhood cartoon show? Uh, I, I, the only thing that comes to mind is Digimon because I watched so much of that. I love that world and the characters in it. But other than that, I can't. Did you have a? Do you have a favorite Digimon? Do you know off the top of your head? The wolf one. I I can't remember their names. Yeah. Yeah. Digimon was it was different because it came out it came out right correctly like after Pokemon the mm. the TV show did. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was it was. It had an interesting enough was, twist on it that it was really, really cool to see. I grew up watching Digimon. That as well. is like a digital world, and that the the Digimon evolved, but then at the end of the battle, they'll go back to their original forms. And based it, off of the Tamagotchi thing, that we had one of those. Yeah, it had a very much like a Dragon Ball Z going Super Saiyan, Super Saiyan two, mm, Super yep. Saiyan Blue, but then coming back to normal. And, then and the Digimon lady, did that. Later seasons got really weird where there was like cards and then they would become the Digimon, but 
I prefer the original. Yeah, the two, original Digimon was really good. Two seasons. So for me, it's Angry Beavers. I don't know if you guys ever watched Angry Beavers growing no. up. So it was a part of that kind of mid-90s Nicktoons, um, which followed uh, Nabbit and... I forget the name of the brother, where one brother has this cool kind of William Shatner... Esque to him, and his other brother is kind of like a hard-headed, angry dum dum, and their interaction as brothers and beavers, um, which I love that show. Mm -hmm. That show was so funny. The other main character in it was a tree stump that never talked. Like they (laughs) named the tree stump, and it was pretty funny. Like uh, Wood Woody, so Wood something Woody Plank Planky. Oh, Planky Planky from Ed Ed and Eddie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I do, I would be remiss if I didn't give an honorable mention to Kablam. Did you guys ever watch Kablam mm-hmm. growing up? So Kablam was a special TV show in that it was a bunch of vignettes within it. So it followed these two uh, characters, I forget, a uh, brother and sister, where each episode they would have an own problem they dealed with, but uh, that they dealt with. But during it, there was like four different shows within it. Like one show followed a bunch of action figures and what was going on. And the other thing that was cool about it is that each show had its own unique animation or live action style where um, one show was kind of like stop motion claymation. Another show was more um, traditional animation. Another show was a live action show. Mm-hmm. And then each show it just kind of had a different overarching story to it. So that's great. There was another one I enjoyed, but our parents didn't let us watch it because it was very dark and disturbing was uh Mutant League, uh, Mutant League football. You know, it's it's based yeah. off of that. It was a show way back in the day where it was very gruesome, like heads getting decapitated and these mutants tearing each other apart and throwing them each other off the. I didn't even know that was a show. I need to watch it, this. It, <laughs> I don't know if you'll be able to find it. It was like very, very limited. Man, and apparently a lot. Of, I, I assume a lot of parents rebelled against it because you cannot find it anywhere oh, but i remember being terrified of it <laughs> that's awesome that's great so so we'll take a quick break and then when we come back we'll get into our meat and potatoes and we'll talk about first blood all right welcome back meat and potatoes time mm. and we're gonna we're gonna talk no 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 we're gonna eat them um we are gonna talk about the 1982 classic first blood some may know it as Rambo he, he or Rambo First Blood. Sylvester Stallone up. Was, yeah. He was just a young cutie. Dude, Sylvester Stallone in First Blood is incredible. Mm-hmm. Like his physique in that is I one of my favorite physiques. Yes. It's one of my favorite physiques in like movie history. Hmm. Because as he gets, obviously as you get older, Rocky, he had the same, I just felt he, he was able to get a little bit more tone, a little bit more muscular. He had like just finished or was at the same time, uh, doing rocky three at that time and said he got pretty lean like he was down to like 160 yeah it it was yeah it was like one of my favorite that and brad pitt and fight club those are probably some of my favorite physiques in movies for sure so first blood is a 1982 american action thriller directed by ted kochiff uh who is also known for the original fun with dick and jane which is released in 1977 not to be confused with the jim carrey fun with dick and jane <laughs> um the other one that he would probably be known for is weekend at bernie's and then he was oh, really? also he was also involved in the first 13 seasons of law and order svu so very that, totally different yeah movies yeah, or yeah. Shows. all the movies he just kind of hits a completely different beat 
Um, it was also, funny enough, co-written by Sylvester Stallone as well. That makes sense. Yeah, um, which it follows <clears throat> John Rambo, a troubled and misunderstood Vietnam veteran who must rely on his combat and survival senses against the abusive law enforcement of a small town. It is based on David Morrell's 1972 novel, also called Rambo, and is the first installment, obviously, of the Rambo series, which may never end. <laughs> because because well, originally you would say there's three, but then there's the fourth one, and then there's rumor of another one. So and... Rambo Five, the working title is Last Blood. Oh, so there you go. So that would be so cool one. if they do make a callback to First Blood tonally for Rambo Five. I think Small town. there's the plan. I mean, I, the pictures that I've seen show kind of like the mailbox that you see in uh, the fourth one or just rambo i think is what it's called yes and like even in that one they Isn't kind of john rambo uh i think the movie is called rambo yeah the movie's just called rambo yeah but they I'm pretty sure they even take like the theme song from the first one and make it like a more symphonic version of it and which i love that song so it's it's kind of cool they stallone likes to do throwbacks like that yeah totally so what are your guys just general thoughts and impressions of the movie ben so uh, I had a theory of back when I watched it for the first time, I had a theory of what it was going to be like, and it completely changed that when it came, when I actually saw it, it's like the, uh, Friday the 13th, where I had no idea the first one was not about, um, Jason. Yes. Jason, Jason Voorhees. Yeah. yeah. Where in this one, I didn't know it was going to be like a sleepy town where he doesn't kill anyone pretty much. Well, that, that is actually the special thing about this movie is that he doesn't kill anyone. Yeah. You and could you, have Ram, minor Rambo, connections. Rambo was so built up as this guy who has a giant kill count. And so when I saw it, I was like, this is really tame. Yeah, which is which is funny enough because the movie does come out in 82. I was born in 91. I did watch this movie. I kind of watched Rambo. I watched First Blood. Then I watched 2 and 3. And they're like all fairly close to each other and how much tonally different first blood is and that mm-hmm. why like we'll we'll do a rambo episode down the line but it, it will be a completely different talk about those movies the than, rambo's got than really the, more into an expendables kind of feel exactly while the first one was very much about the theme yeah and slow paced yeah this is a special movie what about you will um so last night i watched the the commentary on it which gave me such a drastically different perspective on this movie than I originally had. But originally I loved it uh, partly because I just loved the scenery um, and just kind of the survival thing. It just, it feels like a lot about where I grew up. Which it is, it is, it does say it takes place in Hope, Washington, a little small town in Washington, but a majority of the filming was done in Canada. It's actually filmed in Hope, Canada. I know like IMDB said Hope, Washington, but there's uh, um, like Stallone on the commentary said Hope Canada, and you'll like even see like Hope Motors and stuff. So it's it is in a town called Hope, mm-hmm. but I'm pretty sure it's Canada. But uh, I so a lot of this movie um, feels kind of nostalgic for me just because seeing scenery from the 80s and stuff kind of just reminds me of my childhood and and my dad. But I did not see this movie till I was like 25. And uh, I had really, yeah. You did not see this movie until you're 25. Correct. I yeah. thought this would have been a, for sure a movie you saw like growing up. Like this would have been no. So that's kind of why this movie's so special to me. Is like when I was growing up, I didn't like action movies, mm. but my dad really did. And I had kind of um, there's okay. So 
I was in a band. I pretty much gave my life to uh, trying to make that work and, and travel and, and do all that. And I ended up kind of borderline homeless. I was like living in my friend's family's shop. And um, at that time, I still had like an Xbox 360. I'd gotten kicked out of my apartment. I uh, was unemployed and my band basically broke up. And so it was kind of a depressing time. And I was away from home. My parents were living in Texas. I was living in Washington. And kind of the artistic medium that I had known at that time was just music. And so kind of with that leaving, it helped me to see film as more of an artistic medium and kind of see it for more expression because up until that point, I really only watched comedies. I just loved jokes. You know? Yeah, it was just you watch movies for entertainment purposes, not for... Yeah, yeah. It wasn't for any kind of meaning or depth or trying to kind of process anything emotionally. And hmm. uh, through that time in my life, uh, that's where I discovered like Rocky. I was like, oh, you know, I, I like I get the basic character premise, but there's something in this movie that really speaks to me. Same with uh, First Blood. Part of that identifying with like how my dad loved action movies all growing up and I just never got it. And it was kind of at that moment where I was like really missing home and kind of connected to like the action elements and to my dad, even though he wasn't, you know, present with me at that time. It just kind of helped me understand and kind of become a more complete person. So there's a lot of, of uh, I guess, sentimentality for me with this film. Um, but other than that, it's also just kind of opened the door for action movies. And, um, I have a lot, whole new world. Yeah. And I have a lot to say, uh, you know, in the, uh, we'll, we'll talk about kind of the, the fun facts and stuff, but there's so much perspective on this film. And, uh, I I have a whole new respect for movies in the eighties because we kind of have this, um, a basic view of like eighties are over the top and just kind of like fake and unrealistic. And uh, what I realized is like how real this movie actually is and how much that of what was done, like actually happened. Like they didn't have CGI, you know, Stallone talks about like these things called squibs and they're basically like tiny explosions that simulate, uh, gunshots, like things hit ricocheting off of stuff and like, you know, exploding stumps and, and things like that. And he like actually put his hand on one once and thought he blew off his thumb and stuff. Yeah. So I'll, I'll talk about that later, but yeah. And now, and that is something that makes first blood so special is that it's a different type of action movie and that we really didn't see anything quite like it until die hard. It took a very long time for movies because there's a ton of great action movies that came out slightly before. And then after it, I mean, obviously you think, like Indiana Jones, or obviously Arnold made his, obviously he made his break with Conan, but after that, a lot of his, like, glass action hero, a lot of these are, like, exactly, the Terminator. Same same score. Yeah, Terminator 2, like, it's a lot of these movies. Jerry Jerry something. A lot of these movies came out, like, through the 80s and early 90s, but they're completely, like you said, a lot of them are more over-the-top here's this big muscular guy just shooting a whole, whole bunch of guns to what we see with Rambo 2 and Rambo 3, where that is very much more in that type of action movie as opposed to with First Blood. Is It's an action movie that is trying to tell a story where obviously the book, which which is based off of dealing with a, a man who's coming back from Vietnam, which 
Vietnam is one of the most interesting wars to ever kind of go into just because of how it was received, not only by the people who were involved in it on both sides, but how, how it was received by here back in America, mm-hmm. because it was really a change of time where Americans kind of stopped believing in the presidency and in the government, and there was a lot of revolts, and then that turned into hate towards the veterans, where we're recording this on Memorial Day weekend, which kind of brings up a whole nother idea of talking about what veterans go through. Obviously, it's not Veterans Day. Memorial Day is specifically meant to be remembrance of those who we lost, as opposed to paying owed to current veterans alive and that the whole start of this movie is him trying to find one of his friends from Vietnam to come to find out that he died of Agent Orange, which was huge in Vietnam, but then also to how he's received in the town by the sheriff of like this, almost this... um, Blight. Yeah, blight of like, you got to get out of here and that like he's just like, you know, John shows up and he's looking for a diner and the sheriff has him hop in the car and he drives him out of town and says, you don't come back. You know what I'm saying? And yeah, and the unspoken enmity between them is that the sheriff is actually a veteran of the Korean War. Exactly. And kind of has a chip on his shoulder because they're kind of the forgotten veterans, whereas the Vietnam vets got a lot of attention. And yeah, Both good and bad. Yeah, correct, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then also him dealing with PTSD, which um, yeah. where even now PTSD isn't quite understood. It is becoming a little bit more known amongst people and how people handle veterans now that are very broken and homeless and dealing with their mental, what they have to go through daily mentally and adjusting from military life to civilian life. But this was done in 82 and their ability of speaking on that commentary of dealing with PTSD from the Vietnam war, not from, you know, the Gulf war, these later wars, or even with Iraq where now PTSD has now become more available and known to the masses where back then it wasn't so much. Yeah. Um, and its ability to still be an entertaining action movie where a lot of people look back and they think about it, the whole idea of that one man against many and that he's this Green Beret, but he's reluctant. Like, you know, clearly he, throughout this movie, he goes out of his way not to kill anyone. And keeps telling yeah. them, I haven't killed anyone. Yeah, I didn't kill anyone. Like w- the whole, when you talked about he didn't kill anyone, the idea of that when he threw the rock at the helicopter and with how the pilot reacted, that killed the the police officer fell out and died but he was like i didn't kill him that wasn't me and that then how the sheriff responds (laughs) time and time again yeah exactly they do first blood like the sheriff responds with like you know a lot of people are trying to talk the sheriff down like let me talk to him call off your man don't do this sheriff's like no no it's also a look on uh, police brutality absolutely totally letting it happen well, yeah, and that that was very much Stallone's decision uh, to to make that a character because he describes Rambo as kind of someone who's on the fence with society, where he could, you know, either be kind of uh, emigrated back in, or completely rebel against society. And what he really throughout just kind of wanted to give this message, like there's still hope for these Vietnam veterans going through all of this PTSD, all of these things, and so he really didn't want to make rambo a merciless killer he wanted to make him human someone who still wants to be and can be uh successful and healthy in society yeah and and he the only reason why he uses his ability he was a former green beret the last of his team of he does it reluctantly and he goes out of his way to make sure he doesn't kill these men 
Like, and then to the point where, like, he's even with the sheriff. He's like, he has his yeah. knife against his throat. He's like, I kill you right now. <laughs> but I'm not. Push it. <laughs> yeah. He's like, but I'm not, I'm Man, not going he was, to. He was fast with those traps. Yeah. Yeah. And the, yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. Again, him yeah, being in was. the elements of obviously Vietnam, there was more jungle esque. And then this being in Canada it was forest, but still that idea of using Washington, ca- Canada. Yeah. Washington, Canada. But the idea of using camouflage and foliage mm-hmm. and um, all these entities. Um, this movie is just special because yes, it's still an action movie, but it's so much, it's so much more than Deeper. that. Yeah. And because a lot of people look at Sylvester Stallone now as that Rocky and Rambo guy, but not Rocky one or Rambo one, because those are yeah. two very different movies yep. than what followed of that. Rocky was it this kind of this broken man, same thing with Rambo, this broken man. And it's trying to tell a different story than just necessarily, hey, I'm just here to watch the boxing matches, or I'm just here to see how many people he kills and how much he can rag, how much death, what's the death toll here, kind of a thing. Did any of you see The Hunted with Benicio Del Yes, yes. I love that movie. That yeah. reminds me a lot of that, and, yeah. and also a movie set in Washington. So funny, fun fact about The Hunted, uh, that one also had uh, Robert De Niro, right? Mm, no. no. It's Benicio Del Toro and someone and, uh, else that's Hunted. Men in Black. Tommy Lee Jones. Tommy, Tommy Lee, Lee Jones. Jones. There yeah. it is. There it is. Not Robbie. So I, at the time, was living in Wilsonville, Oregon, and a couple of the scenes are actually shot at a local restaurant there. And at the time, my mom's boyfriend was the lead chef at that restaurant. Oh, so wow. I remember he came to home one day, and he's like, yeah, they're filming some weird movie here. I guess Tommy Lee Jones is in it. And I remember that movie coming out and be like, oh, that was the movie he was talking about. Went in so, some theaters and loved it when he was climbing up the Oregon Bridge. Yeah, it, that yeah that movie yeah that movie is it's fun it's always fun to see some hometown mm-hmm. Oregon Washington movies be shot. There's a little bit more of a special yeah, place. Twilight, the best one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but also that's the reason why this movie is like you said near and dear. It reminds you of home. Yeah. Like I get that it's in Canada, but very much this movie does have that feel of like man, this felt like it was shot in my own backyard. <laughs> kind of Stallone thing. was you know talking about how like walking up to that city really got him into the uh, kind of the feel and the dreariness he said he just really absorbed like the uh just the aesthetics of of the place and how it was just kind of dreary and and depressing <laughs> i'm like yeah yep yeah, that's uh yep, that, that that's my kinda, whole life <laughs> yeah that kind of hits it everything like that so um i do do you guys have any other final impressions that you want to say on the, the movie rat before we get in into cave it? was kind of disturbing yeah all those absolutely. rats um yeah that uh that cave was all natural lighting, which was really cool. Like they just used the torch that he lit yeah. to see everything. Yeah, this movie. Yeah, this movie is special. Like it is one of those special movies, and I know it's maybe some people will be like, "Why is a nerdy podcast talking about it?" But I do think this movie kind of fits in that that niche that I don't think a lot of people have come back, and that you oh, should we're film nerds, and it's yeah, a film, absolutely, <laughs> and it's high. I would argue it's high film. It's one of those few action movies that. Like this movie could win awards. It isn't just a movie you turn your brain off of and you have some, like you said, this is a movie you go to, to think and have feelings and get an impression off of, not just a movie of like, oh man, that was so cool to see. I can't believe they did all that really awesome stuff. I think just the biggest thing is like First Blood is so different than your perception of Rambo. And that's why a lot of people haven't seen it is because it's, it is not, uh, it's just much different than the way you perceive that character to yeah, be. Yeah, this is this is slow burn, and again, it's the same thing with Die Hard, where I can't help but relate these two movies. Where I think a lot of people 
when they think Die Hard, they think more of the end. Crazy of, action. Yeah, they think more of the end of the first Die Hard or Die Hard 2 and the, or the following Die Hards. But that first Die Hard is a slow burn. And yeah. it's the same thing with First Blood, even more of an extent. Die Hard is a more of an action movie than First Blood is. Mm. Um, but again, it's that kind of slow burn, tension building, wondering what's going to happen. And then they both have very interesting bad guys in it where yeah. Oh, yeah. the Sher- Sheriff Teasley played by um, Brian Dennehy. Brian Dennehy, yeah. he does such fantastic. a good job. Really fantastic. And that's the other thing. This movie is really well casted, even though it only has a couple of... Like, there isn't a ton of people who act in this movie, but they nailed yeah. it with, I think, the three core he's, characters. He's nasty, but then at the same time relatable. Exactly. The the guy that dies is the one that's like, oh, I'm glad you died. Yeah, totally. You were... You needed to. I'm kind of on the fence with Richard Crenna as uh, Colonel Troutman. And yeah, he was weird. They're, the way he talked was he, odd. He's a little bit more remembered because of how he is as a colonel in the future Rambos. Yeah. Rambo 2 and yeah. 3, his character develops a little bit more. He's a little bit more of... He's a little more interesting of a character. But what I will say is that if the movie had its way, and we'll get that in a second, the original book ending, the colonel isn't someone you really like with well, how the book ends. <laughs> so the story about Richard Crenna is originally Michael Douglas was cast for that. And Kirk, Michael, Kirk Douglas. Um, actually, it was Michael Douglas. Um, I know IMDb says stuff, but I, I listened to the commentary okay. with, with Stallone. And so Michael Douglas, he, uh, he basically came with an entirely new written script and was like either we're doing this or i walk and they're like we cannot do your script and he wanted to make like this whole thing where it's like basically him and rambo together doing stuff and they're like no no we're not going to do that and so richard crenna took that job on one day's notice he was playing a gay doctor on broadway before he came to this and so like he even talks about his first line where you know brian denny's like who would make a man like this? And Richard Crenna's like, I did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're like, hey, Richard, you, you got to put a little more bass in your voice for this. You know, this is a hardened military man. <laughs> so, so you know what's funny, and like maybe it is Michael Douglas, but it wasn't just IMDb. A couple of different places said the the Kurt Douglas thing, but it had a similar story of him leaving over script issues. But the the reason why Kurt Douglas left is that they want to change the ending to different from the book. Where originally in the book, when um, Colonel Troutman shows up, is both the sheriff and Rambo are fatally wounded, and the colonel shoots Rambo, and then spends the final moments with yeah. the sheriff. It's a very much more desperate and, that, uh, and depressing. You can't, you can't make a franchise out of that. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, you're right. There's no Rambo too with that. Well, and I think that's like Stallone's continual well, struggle Rambo. against the real character of Rambo, who... Because he even says, you know, like in the woods, uh, when he stumbles upon those those two hunters, he said, like, in the book, Rambo would have just gutted these guys and gone on. But, like, he was desperately trying to make him human. Yeah. Which, uh, again, is that you this, what this movie is trying to tell, the story it's yeah. trying to tell, and that's what it's trying to speak on, while and, still at the same time being an entertaining movie. Which, I mean, was a, a great decision. I mean... Stallone thought this movie was going to end his career because everybody had passed on it. There's a long list of Hollywood men that didn't want to do this movie. Yeah. And uh, and he, he finally said yes to it. And he said, it's like 
probably the hardest thing he'd ever done just because of the raw physicality of it. And he, he said it's, if he, if he was offered to do it again, he'd say, no, it's a, a young man's role with a death wish pretty much. Yeah. Well, speaking of young man, originally they, when they first were looking to cast it, they wanted to cast Steve McQueen as yeah. John Rambo, but then they're just in like, the, like 70. Yeah. Though. They're like, yeah. he's too old. Like, they, he they, can't quite play this Vietnam veteran that we're looking for. Well, they'd been trying to make the movie for, like, seven years, mm-hmm. you know, and I think it had changed studios, like, three times. The script had undergone so much, so uh, rewriting and rewriting, and, yeah, everybody... Until Stallone came along and helped finish the script. Yeah, he did He did have part of it. It's There's so many, so much information revolving around this that it's kind of hard to know exactly what what went down but like the original uh cut of this film was three hours long yes and he cut it down to like an hour and a half and that pretty much saved it and is probably why there are action movies now like it yeah it was definitely special good good action movie time runtime yeah totally the hour and a half yeah i think this movie is again which speaks to it it doesn't overstay its welcome it is a like it's a streamlined hour and a half from yeah. start to finish, it, you don't ever feel like an empty moment in like this movie. The scene it doesn't in, feel bloated. The scene in the woods was originally like 45 minutes long, and they cut oh, it down I can to imagine. like 12 minutes. Yeah. Which, which again, makes it, it just makes it that much more special with yeah. how they do it. <laughs> which, as much as I like Brian Dennehy, obviously, or the other names that were connected to it, I would love to see a movie with, so the other two names I found were Gene Hackman yeah. and Robert Duvall. And I'm like, I can see oh, really? I'm like, I'm like, I would be okay with either of those guys. Even though, Brian, yeah. in my opinion, Brian Denny, of course, plays the sheriff perfectly. I'm so happy. I would yeah. love to see an alternate universe where you either get a Gene Hackman or a Robert Duvall because I think both of those guys would have been able to nail the role. Yeah, I, I could see Gene Hackman. I feel like Dennehy really would have done a better job than Duvall. Cause I feel, yeah, I thing, agree. The thing with Duvall is he's just too nice. Like you, you like him too much, and I've never seen him. Even when he's not a good guy, you still... He's still super likable. And Dennehy just played a good, strong, like, opposition, you know? I'm with you. Mm -hmm. So, speaking of casting, let's do our casting. So, if they were to remake Rambo, which there actually is rumors of a new Rambo, who would you guys, the three characters I threw out are Rambo, obviously Sheriff Teasley, and then the Colonel. I think if we can nail those three characters, I think you would have a strong base for Rambo. Go ahead, Ben. Okay. um, The younger... Hemsworth, Liam, uh, Liam. Liam Hemsworth as Rambo. Okay. Uh, Brian Cox as the police off the the sheriff, and then uh, uh, the guy from Avatar, the general in that. Oh yeah, totally. I know exactly who you're talking about. I don't remember the top of his name off the top, of, but he plays such a yeah yeah. He's a great military actor. I totally agree with you there. Um, I know you're going to have a great answer, Will, so I'll say mine really quickly. So for me, for Rambo, just to have a little fun, I said The Rock, just because it would just be great to see The Rock <laughs> See, there. I, was, I was thinking big, but I prefer the way that uh, he looked back then, which is a bit smaller. That's which, why I said the younger okay. Hemsworth. Which we got The Rock's Rambo. It's called Walking Tall. I don't know if you guys have ever seen Walking Tall, yep. which it is the same premise. It's a Marine who comes back from war into his old town and he's trying to just live the normal life, but then he finds out that the local casino is corrupt, 
and now he has to fight back against it and he carries around a big <laughs> stick. But that has that's very yeah. more a- action oriented, yeah, yeah. less on the talking about PTSD a little more and the roles. Nineties, less early. 80s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, a little more early two thousands. Okay, yeah, so yeah, it, like that over the top yeah. rock early on. Um, the other two names I came up with, I think Ryan Gosling could play a good Rambo. I'd be excited mm-hmm. about Ryan Gosling. But my my favorite, my number one pick would be Tom Hardy. Okay. Oh yeah, I, I think Tom Hardy could play just that quiet, dangerous looking. He also kind of has that build mm-hmm. that I think Tom Hardy would nail that would nail that role really, really well. Um, for me, the sheriff, the first person that came to mind is Danny Houston, who is who you assume is the bad guy in the new Wonder Woman movie, but he turns out not. Spoiler alert: He turns out not to be the bad guy. He's the German general. Yeah, um, he plays a lot of times. He does play a, a bad. Um, military and i think he kind of would be able to He's nail got that. that look and the way exactly he, talks. he has that face and then for sheriff I, I mean not for the sheriff for the colonel i just think it'd be fun just to have sylvester stallone come yeah. back and be the colonel <laughs> i think that would be really good what about you will what, what if you were casting it what do you think for rambo i think john bernthal would nail it oh totally as um, the punisher he just, plays oh, yeah, the punisher. punisher uh shane on the walking dead he's got the build for it totally he's uh has a phenomenal intensity. If you saw Fury, like Fury, Fury's a so special good. movie. Yeah, he's so good in that. Um, I I think, anyways. But no, you you yeah, you're totally yeah. right. And uh, Ben Foster doesn't have the build for it, but if you wanted to get to the kind of the more in depth psychology and emotional part of it, I would have you seen? Say. Not Shooter. It was the other Mark Wahlberg movie that came out that um it was based off of the former book had followed these special forces guys where everyone in the team dies except for him who's then rescued by the local pakistani or afghani town and they actually end up fighting back against the taliban i can't believe i'm forgetting the name of this movie off the top of Mm -hmm. my head but ben foster's in it and he's wonderful he's He's really really good in that military special forces he does and he also if you haven't seen this movie he the way they, obviously, it, it's based on a true story, so you know everyone but Mark Wahlberg is going to die. The way Ben Foster's character goes out is heartbreaking. Yeah. It is one of the one of the few times in movies that I have had like not flashbacks, but like cold sweats, and mm-hmm. that was like one of those that invoked that for wow. me was how he how that whole scene goes down. That movie was really really good. I'm gonna look up the movie while you while you what finish else? up here. What else has he been in? Uh, well, so Ben Foster is kind of very a parallel to like Shia LaBeouf. He got his start on like a Disney sitcom called uh, Flash Forward, um, but he took a very different turn. He didn't really get typecast into teeny bopper films. He kind of waited until he was a little older, and then he was in like Three Ten to Yuma. Um, he's I, I talked on a previous podcast about a, one called. Uh, a place of our own where he's like a, a Vietnam or a, a military vet who's homeless living out in the woods, raising his daughter. And that takes place in Portland as well. Yeah. But, the movie I was in is Lone Survivor. Lone Survivor. Lone okay. Survivor. That movie is pretty good. You should watch that movie. But Ben Foster is really, what, really is a very interesting um, character in the movie. There was a sci-fi horror movie with him in it that was fantastic. Like I know exactly 40, what you're talking about. Twenty-eight days. Later, no, or? no. Um, they were they're on a spaceship and they wake up and it's like been overrun by cannibalistic creatures. Hmm. 
Yeah, he's he's an underrated actor. So yeah. I think that is a great casting. What other um, ones do you have, Will? Yeah, so either him or, or John Bernthal for Rambo, I think. I think that's uh, two great options. Both of them would be really cool. For The Sheriff, I had Tom Hardy. Um, I would be down for that yeah, as well. I So I feel like I've seen Tom Hardy do the silent thing with Mad Max and, you know, Bane, he, he talks, but he's silent a lot. You know, he, he I've seen him nail that character. But, that uh, World War Two movie. Where he's um, the fighter pilot. I didn't see that. Dunkirk. Dunkirk. I have not seen Dunkirk. Oh, Dunkirk I, is I know. really well done. Uh, but I really enjoyed him in Limitless. Uh, or, excuse me, Lawless. He's... Uh, the Western. Yeah, kind of the Prohibition uh, moonshine smugglers. But he's he's fantastic. For Colonel Trapman, I had a hard time um, finding somebody, but I, I did like the idea of bringing somebody back. And the guy that came to mind was Dolph Lundgren. I think would make a really good that would yeah kernel. he does have that connection to Just his voice is you know overall commanding presence okay <laughs> you just don't buy I Dolph think he's a horrible actor I I absolutely disagree Dolph Lundgren uh is an incredibly intelligent person oh I think he can yeah I think he's intelligent he's his his accent just makes his acting so weird he just I mean, kind never he can come off woody at times yeah. but i i also yeah. agree with you i think he would nail this role i think he would be able to nail that character the thing that kind of tipped me off is like there's a little more to dolph lundgren than just the big oaf was there's a a movie called uh, little tokyo i think and he he speaks japanese in that movie and he, his accent is extremely good when he speaks mm. japanese and i'm like most uh most like action stars struggle with their speech. Why is this guy uh, so, you know, flawless? And it turns out he's got an IQ of like 160. Yeah, he's like, he's like not a, a microbiologist. He works a in, master's degree in uh, uh, chemical engineering. Yeah. 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 He's an extremely intelligent man. Yeah. So, and again, the colonel's not in this a ton. So you wouldn't be asking right, him right, to be true. like nailing yeah. an, an Oscar performance. You're just asking him to nail. 10 lines in this type of character and i think dolph yeah i, I, I think, think dolph would be that. able to would be able um, to do that stallone for sure. would be really fun yeah still that. yeah Stallone yeah. would be great so speaking of interesting facts i'm gonna cut to my man will you said you you did a big deep dive into this what were some of the the really cool things about the movie you came across uh there are so many i think uh overall just the physicality of this of this movie was pretty crazy. Uh, Stallone during the scene, like where he's like on the cliffside and he jumps off. He, he was like, you know, actually this, um, I really looked into this, asked people, you know, this is, could actually happen. You know, you could actually survive this. And, and during that, he actually, uh, broke three ribs. Um, that's insane. Yeah. And th- I think there were three different stunt, man. There was like one that did the initial jump and then one that kind of, fell through the branches and then Stallone on the last part had to catch his ribs on the branch. And I think they were, he was supposed to like get his side or his abdomen or something. And he just landed right on the ribs and, and broke them. And the, the overall thing that I feel like you don't get the, the real sense of is how cold it was during filming. And he talks about like the, 
like the river was 39 degrees and he had to lay in it during the search scene when they're like walking through the rocks and he's just mm-hmm. like hiding behind it. And he, he said at that moment, he was just really asking himself, like, what is his motivation for doing this? Yeah, that reminds me a little bit. So actually funny enough of the Lord of the Rings where there's a story of specifically Viggo Mortensen as the character Aragorn. There's a scene in the two towers where they find Merry and Pippin or they're attempting to find Merry and Pippin. They can't find him. So uh, Aragorn kicks a Urukai helmet out of anger and he actually ended up breaking his toe um, oh, wow. by doing that. And then he like falls to the ground screaming in agony where that wasn't originally written in the script, but obviously he stayed in character, finished it off, even though he just broke his toe. But then there's also the story within the same movie that um, the actor that plays Schmeagle, why am I forgetting his name? Andy Serkis, that tells the story of that he laid down in a river where they had to melt all the snow away and shoot a scene real quickly, and that the river was like pretty much freezing. Yeah. And then it was just, it's just almost exactly along the same same lines you were talking about with Rambo of like breaking a bone and then yeah. the frozen river. And, and it's not just uh, Stallone. Uh, Brian Dennehy broke uh, his ribs during the, like when he falls through the skylight, he actually took like an eight foot fall oh. onto a table and broke his ribs. And the the jail escape scene is great because, you know, kind of watching the commentary and and when you look back and you realize, oh, Stallone's actually kicking this guy in the chest here. And like when he uh, he kind of jumps up and and grabs like part of the, the railing and then, you know, does like a full two foot kick right into Brian Dennehy's chest. He's like, yeah, uh, Dennehy actually took that. (laughs) That was really him. That wasn't a stunt man. And actors these days. So cushy. Yeah, well, and it says something again to the movie is that when you do hear about people who do their own stunts, like you saw again again with John Wick 3, there's a couple of times that you you tell it's not Keanu Reeves, but there's other times you're like, I know Keanu Reeves is doing this exact fight choreography and it it's special it doesn't feel fake no more you're like i am believing that sylvester stallone or keanu reeves or brian denny these guys are actually capable of being able to do it and that realness makes you that much more connected to the movie in itself you're not drawn away to this computer animated image it's the reason why we love hanks movie not tom hanks tom cruise tom cruise's movies well tom cruise does quite a bit of his own stunts as well that's what i was saying yeah and it's the whole reason why people love original Star Wars or the original Lord of the Rings is the practical effects, that real feeling to mm-hmm. it that you don't get sometimes nowadays with, like, say, the new Fast and the Furious, where clearly yeah. everything is CG, which it has its time and place, but it doesn't have that, CG, that special connection. green screen, you know, built sets. I think that that's one of the things I appreciate about this movie the most, like, you know, it, it didn't occur to me that like they actually flew a helicopter down into this ravine and, mm-hmm. and Stallone said that it was so incredibly cold with that, you know, the Turbine. wind chill and the, yeah, the propellers just forcing this cyclone up, up the Canyon. He just said, you know, it felt like you were getting whipped and, uh, and, and to stay in character and still act yeah. the way he does. It, it just speaks to who he yeah. is and who they are as, as performers but even that there's like this scene where he's hiding behind the tree and they're trying to shoot him from the helicopter and they you know i talked about the squibs earlier they actually time those squibs and and choreograph like the helicopter moving from left to right and him having to look 
and then pull back because those squibs can actually take out your eye if if they explode when your face is near it and so it's just like the danger the like you have to get this right Mm -hmm. these things are actually exploding they're not just going in and after effects and you know throwing in a bullet here and there and i think that that makes an overall cohesive scene when things are actually exploding and you're actually scared to get (laughs) it shows how much how much dedication to the craft uh filmmaking has become because there's very few stories of tragedies i think the twilight zone is the movie was the biggest one that something hugely tragic happened because of uh special effects like explosions and stuff yeah uh the crow the crow yeah obviously uh brian lee wasn't a blank yeah it wasn't a blank yeah that whole story is insane but then also the what if of if he didn't die the how well the crow was received where he would be now also on top of his lineage of being bruce lee's son Mm -hmm. and losing both of those people before you were able truly to see them shine all the way through and the the rocket that they were heading on for stardom it's incredible yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, and the more I learn about this film, the more like the things that seemed unbelievable to me were like actually existed, you know, like when Stallone goes and and he's up in the woods and he finds this like junkyard where he crabs like the canvas that he clothes himself in. He said they didn't actually plan that scene. They just walked up there and found this junkyard and was like, oh, let's put this in the movie totally that's awesome happening that's awesome same like i the the mine shaft is like there's actually a bunch of mines up there and that's where he where he hides out um the one of the funny stories of stallone and just kind of part of his personality is like you know when he's stitching up his his cut that he's got he's got like a squeeze bottle of blood that pushes out when he squeezes it and he, he stitched himself up and he wanted to kind of test out like how realistic is this? And so he actually went into the emergency room and told people that he was like trying to stitch himself up and then asked for painkillers. And they're just like freaking out. Like you tried to give yourself stitches and and they bought it and he just like, they thought he was the toughest guy in the world. And that's so funny. awesome. Yeah. That's great. Did you, did you, do you have any other pretty interesting tra- facts that you found out um, about the movie? Yeah. You know, during the jailbreak scene, like, he uh he gives a guy an elbow to the face and he actually broke his nose, which is why that guy has a bandage. I was on about his to nose. say he had it yeah. like the whole movie for the rest of the movie. Well, credit to that actor too. <laughs> yeah, like staying yeah. in and be like, "Yep, I, you just broke my nose." The because uh, so it was a small part, the guy could have just left, but you know he wanted to stay and do it. Yeah, well, and like a lot of the people on there um, were displaced mill workers, like in Hope. They there was a mill that shut down, so there's a lot of unemployed people, and they actually got hired to be extras on the show. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, another interesting thing that I thought was funny and tragic was uh, the original chase scene on the on the uh, motorcycle. The police car, like their original stuntman, broke his back on that, and they didn't even go with the original uh, shot because it was too too like unrealistic like he launched too high and uh it's funny because i look back at the one they kept and it's actually pretty ridiculous like he launches in the air so i couldn't 
can't imagine what the original stuntman actually did. Also, having that broken back and not at least getting the, the <laughs> fruits the of your labor yeah, in, within the movie, that's just so unfortunate. Well, and that kind of leads to another thing. They deleted, like, he has a flashback about him uh, in a bar in Saigon, and he ends up, like, making love to a woman, and there's, like, an entire, like, nude scene for this woman. And I'm like, man, I wonder what that's like to, like, completely bury yourself for a scene that's like not even going to be in the movie. That's just kind of weird. <laughs> you know what's funny is, obviously it's a little bit different. One of the people I follow, one of the channels I follow, had an actor on, his name's James Buckley, and he's more known for The Inbetweeners, I want to say his name. It's a British comedy. Yeah. And he was in Pop Star for like a couple of minutes, and I remember him doing an interview and being like, "No, oh, he was in that movie for a lot." No, of you see him in the background, but like he's like, "I had like an actual legitimate storyline oh, in yeah, it," and I yeah. remember having multiple days of filming, and then I show up and I have like four lines. He's like, and it was devastating to like know that they they pretty much cut all my parts that I had in this movie. Mm-hmm. So I can, yeah, I'm with you. I can only imagine someone being like, especially something as traumatizing as showing your body. Like yeah. nude wise, like just being, or maybe, you know, it'd be funny. Maybe you're relieved. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe the other opposite is her being mad because maybe she's like, I worked so hard to look great naked and now <laughs> nobody sees it. Like, what? come on. <laughs> I'm yep. right there with you. So I do think I would be remiss if we don't have our favorite question be asked about this movie, the Jesse effect. I know Andrew's not here, but we must continue. If Jesse Eisenberg was in Rambo, who would Jesse Eisenberg He'd play? be the kid that uh, Rambo finds with the gun and goes and tells his dad that Rambo's there. You'd <laughs> just be that small little part right there. All right, um, what about he, you? What do you would think? definitely be Mitch, David Cruz. Yeah, character. he would totally be. Yeah. I totally agree. I think that would be that would be Jesse Eisenberg for sure. Absolutely. Oh, those, uh, those weekend warriors that blow up the entrance to the place, they were pretty funny. I forgot how weird those... Re, uh, military reserves guys are just out of nowhere that <laughs> that's actually stallone was like man i really wish this wasn't in the movie because he's like we're like making two different two different movies here like these guys did it not did, belong in this movie they, they felt really dopey and out of yeah. place yeah yeah totally you know what's great about the movie too is that how well received it was at the time as well because the budget for the movie was like 25 million 20 million but it made like almost like 130 million at the box office wow so that was pretty crazy Mm -hmm. a uh, kind of an interesting commentary on this that i like during the 80s you know i think stallone met president reagan and reagan was like oh after seeing rambo i know what to do with the libyans or something and still i was just like oh my gosh you missed the point this is not rambo at all and it's kind of funny how he's viewed as as kind of like this almost like right wing hero type uh you know uh just american patriot kind of guy and it's like no he actually despised the military he was associated with and he you know took an m60 to to the police station and like this was actually one of the first movies where you see an American fighting America and it's just kind of interesting how he actually became this icon of like America kicks ass you know and that's very much more Rambo 2 Rambo 3 and And that's how uh, things can get misinterpreted like uh, Fight Club the the main 
theme behind it has been misconstrued and oh, absolutely taken out of context and is now looked at in a different way than it originally was supposed to be. And like Watchmen, what people were getting out of it turned it into something else. And, 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 and miss yeah, mis- just missing the point of why these movies are the way they are. And unfortunately, again, with Rambo, what came after it and the fact that it was still the same actor and they still use yeah. the same character and money talks, you know? Yeah. Like money talks for those. It's pretty ironic, though, that everybody passed up this role and Stallone thought it was going to be a career killer. And it's like, what is he most known for? Yeah, Rocky like, and Rambo. Rocky and Rambo. And then I was looking through his like IMDb and like, man, you made Stop or My Mom Will Shoot and you thought this was going to be your career killer. <laughs> so speaking of... What do you guys think? Obviously, Rambo is really up there. What do you guys think Sylvester Stallone's best movie was? Rocky one. The first Rocky. Yeah. Rocky I. <laughs> Rocky I. I Rocky. Uh, obviously, Judge Dredd. <laughs> Judge Dredd. Because so, he is the law. So there's a couple of them that I really liked, and they are different movies. It's tough to compare outside of Rocky one, of how who Sylvester Stallone is as a character. But I still thoroughly enjoyed Demolition Man. <laughs> I loved Demolition Man. I loved yeah, that one. I loved Over the Top, which is I, again it's I an over the top of that movie. That movie's has a special place in my heart. Yeah. But my personal favorite Sylvester Stallone movie is Cliffhanger. Okay. Like with John Lithgow. I thought I oh, love that. I remember watching that movie growing up. That movie that movie is my favorite more for nostalgic purposes, not because I think it is a better yeah. I do I agree with you. I think his best movie is either Rocky One or Rambo. Like, yeah. and, and it's tough to kind of touch what he did. When you there. have a movie with John Lithgow in it, like you're going to get a certain amount of substance in it because he just doesn't do a bad job. No, John Lithgow, yeah, yeah, super underrated. But the other thing with Sylvester, and, and again, unfortunately, outside of Rocky and Rambo uh, with Sylvester Stallone, he did movies like Cobra or yeah. Copland <laughs> or, you know what I'm saying? Like there's just these different movies that you expect out of Expendables that you expect yeah. out of. Sylvester Stallone than what you really got with Rocky and Rambo, which is where yeah. he got his start and what he's most known for is just two different sides of a coin that you do kind of see a little bit more with like the latest Creed with Creed with him as the coach, mm-hmm. like who he's trying to be there is much more akin to original Rocky, original Rambo than it is to later forms of those characters. Yeah. And I think that the, you know, kind of the refreshes of it with uh, Rocky Balboa and Rambo. I thought both of those were much better than kind of the in-betweens, you know, the in-between one and, you know, like uh, Rocky one and Rocky six, Rocky Balboa. Like those were the two best ones, not the two, three, four, five. Hmm. Absolutely. So I do want to finish close out. Do you guys have any other final impressions about first blood? No, it's pretty good. Uh, the, the, I I still can't remember the guy the Jerry Jerry something the composer he did a fantastic job at those uh, action movies back then where uh, he'd keep it either really low or quiet and then after an action scene happens then it's like this big build up of sound like there were a lot of scenes in this movie where they cut out the music entirely which actually added to a lot of the substance the composer does that in a lot of his movies if you see them like i th- i think maybe alien but mainly predator where it has that military theme 
and then sometimes action happens and then it's after the where it's it's kind of kind of like a build up where it's quiet 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 and then something happens and it's a big crescendo happens and then the music goes into mm-hmm. the action yeah and music plays a big part mm-hmm. like i totally agree with you what about you Will? any final impressions um it's a a big movie and i think there's a lot more going on than i realized initially and i i liked it before and i think i love it now i love it even more. totally i'm i'm totally with you the more this is one of those few movies that the more you know about it the more you love it yeah it makes you pretty excited i kind of want to imagine like the reception because we all have the knowledge of the other rambos it would have been cool to have experienced it firsthand, not knowing anything yeah, about absolutely, it. Absolutely, totally agree. I yeah, this is one of those few movies that even though the other Rambos do have a special place in my heart for different reasons, being able to experience this movie before you saw the other Rambos and being mm-hmm. able to have it self contained within itself, I think would be a definitely an interesting place. So I do want to close out with can you guess the movie? So we did it last week, all right? So I'm, I have different to, uh, categories I give you. I give you the genre of the movie, if you can't guess it, the year, the actor, the director. And I'm pretty excited about this one. Um, let's see if you guys are able to get it. So I'm going to start off with the genre. So the genre of the movie that I would like to see if you guys can guess is adventure, drama, thriller. Ooh. Adventure, drama, thriller. What movie do you think I picked? Well, <laughs> that's all we get <laughs> that's all you get right now if you can't get it on this I'll, I'll open it up and i'll give you the next one i'll drip feed it to you i'll see if uh the thriller definitely makes it interesting mm. indiana jones indiana jones it is not indiana jones good guess though no it, none in that series no no i yeah none okay. in the series the the count of monte cristo not the count of wow, monte cristo that's out of left field yeah. so <laughs> i'll like give it. so this is the year the movie it can this is the year the movie came out 1975 so oh. an adventure drama thriller from 1975 the great escape the great escape good guess not the great escape jewel of the nile not jewel of the nile <laughs> all right so now main actor okay roy scheider <laughs> i know i know i was gonna get you guys with that roy scheider scheider uh who's incredible in this movie but not much well known after that so unfortunately 1975 i could give another actor but i think it would give it away or you would mix it up with another Maybe. movie that was solely released after that is he the main he's yes he is far and away the main actor in this movie i don't know even who that is so okay yeah, anything before 1980, I'm very hit and miss. All right, director, Steven Spielberg. Really? Goodness. 1970? E. No, not E.T. 1975, action, oh, I'm sorry, adventure drama thriller. Oh, man. Oh, gosh, how... Give us Cl- the other Close actor. Encounters of the Third Kind? Not Close Encounters. See, that's the other one I would say. It, it does have Richard Dreyfuss in it, but it is not Close Encounters. It does Encounters. have Richard Dre- Jaws. It is Jaws. It is Jaws. Okay. Yes. I forget how old that movie yes, is. Yes, absolutely. And then also, uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind came out in like 77, 78. Okay. So it was really yeah. like that Richard Dreyfus, Steven Spielberg, nineteen mid-1970s. That's why I didn't want to confuse people. But then also, clearly, Road Scheider is the main actor yeah. in that, this movie. That sure. thriller, because it's not quite horror. Yeah. But mm-hmm. it's, yeah. Totally. Absolutely. Love Jaws. We, maybe yeah. we have to do an episode one day on that. <laughs> So, thank you guys for joining us. The first blood 
Um, excellent movie. If you guys did not watch it, just remember they drew first blood. Yeah, they, sure. they uh, You can follow us on Twitter at Nerd Weekly Cast. We're at Instagram at Nerd Weekly Podcast. We're on Facebook, Nerd Weekly. Um, if you do want to send us an email, we're at nerd.weekly.forever at gmail.com. Also, make sure to check out our other podcasts, our video game podcast, which releases every Saturday, Biomodded, and then our comic book podcast with Cody and Andrew, Origin Adaptations, where it releases every Tuesday. The other thing of note is next week we will be doing our deep dive into John Wick 3. We'll get into spoiler territories, let you guys know our little bit more deeper thoughts then. But then we're also going to do our Game of Thrones final impressions mm-hmm. on the season and the series as a whole get ready for a very interesting i'm very excited to see how it's everyone be, comes in gonna be a fight it is i definitely <laughs> think and so so definitely now if you guys have questions or your own opinions you want leave them on the facebook page leave them on the instagram definitely make sure to send us um some of the questions concerns or your own personal thoughts on why you thought this season eight was really good do you think it was bad does it change your feelings on the the series as a whole we'll definitely look forward to hearing that other than that where can we find you ben at nomaco2 on twitter will willie b snazzy on instagram and you guys find me at twitter at underscore anthony underscore rod all right thank you guys